Us. We continue our way in the story of Elijah and Elisha, now focused on Elisha. We're going to be in 2 Kings uh, chapter 8 this morning, and we're only covering a few verses. Um, in order to understand where we're at, we need to be reminded of what happened back in 2 Kings uh, chapter 4. You may remember the Shunammite woman, uh, the Shunammite woman who uh, added an addition onto her house so that she would have a place for Elisha to stay when he was in town. If you remember, Elisha wanted to know, how can I repay you? What can I do uh, for you? And he ended up, because she was barren and her husband was old, he ended up giving her a son. And the son was born, but we also, if you remember the story, he tragically died. But he was brought back to life, and we have that wonderful resurrection story of the Shunammite woman's son. Our story this morning in chapter 8 picks up basically where that story left off. So let's read it now, starting at verse 1. Now Elisha had said to the woman whose son he had restored to life, Arise and depart with your household, and sojourn wherever you can, for the Lord has called for a famine, and it will come upon the land for seven years. So the woman, she arose and did according to the word of the man of God. She went with her household and sojourned in the land of the Philistines for seven years. At the end of the seven years, when the woman returned from the land of the Philistines, she went to appeal to the king of her house and her land. Now the king was talking with Gehazi, the servant of the man of God, saying, tell me all the great things that Elisha has done. And while he was telling the king how Elisha had restored the dead to life, behold, the woman whose son he had restored to life appealed to the king for her house and her land. And Gehazi said, my Lord, O king, here is the woman and here is her son whom Elisha restored to life. When the king asked the woman, she told him. So the king appointed an official for her saying, Restore all that was hers, together with all the produce of the fields, for the day that she left until now. Let's pray. Oh, Father, how we thank you, as always, for your word. We pray, teach us, feed us this day, that we would see the wonder of our Savior, ultimately, uh, through the work of your prophet, Elisha, and through the work of our great God today. Help us to know you better. Help us to cling to your word this day, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Many of you probably know the name Joni Erickson Tata. Um, a little over 50 years ago, she was a 17-year-old, and she dove into the Chesapeake Bay, not understanding how shallow it was, and ended up a quadriplegic, and has been since then, but has been a great ministry uh, to the church since then. Now, on top of being a quadriplegic, you can only imagine living life like that. Um, back in 2019, she was suffering from breast cancer and going through all sorts of treatments for that. In the midst of that, she had a great uh, problem with her lungs that she ended up in the hospital for weeks as a result of. After she got out, she said this, my assignment over the last weeks while she was hospitalized was straight from Acts 20.24, and this is what Acts 20.24 says, but I do not account my life of any value, nor is precious to myself, if only I may finish my course in the ministry that I received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel 
of the grace of God, or she put it to testify to God's almighty kindness and love. When she was asked by the doctors and nurses how she was doing, she said this, Jesus gives me his peace. It's not as the world gives. So my heart's not troubled, and I'm not afraid. This life, it is hard, but God is so very good. As she's going through all this, a quadriplegic, you can imagine her life circumstances. What she, could she not help but tell others about? But the kindness of her great God. Can you imagine? We see the kindness of our great God in this story this morning, don't we? Elisha goes to the Shunammite woman, and what does he say? Verse uh, 1, arise and depart with your household households, and sojourn where you can, for the Lord has called for a famine, and it will come upon the land for seven years. What does God do in his kindness? What does he do for the Shunammite woman? He gives her an advance warning. He lets her know that the famine is coming so that she can get out her with her son, with her family. Likely, this is that uh, circumstance that occurred right after we saw the Shunammite woman last. You'll maybe remember the, the story of death in the pot, right? That, that happened in the context of famine. Likely, this is that famine. And we see God here so kind to the Shunammite woman, telling her to go so that she doesn't have to suffer this famine. And, and you, you might wonder, and we need to wonder why. Why is God so kind to her here? And you might be tempted to say, say well, well, it's because she is so faithful. Because she is so faithful, God is so kind to her, but we must be careful there. We must be careful here not to think that in any way this mercy that is given to her, this kindness that is given to her is earned. It is not earned mercy. We, we, we've learned as we've gone through First and Second Kings, we've, we've learned that there are actually many others who are faithful in Israel. But those others who are faithful, they're not given this kindness of being able to go and avoid uh, the famine. <laughs> Ultimately, I think what we learn is what the Apostle Paul tells us in Romans, that what does our God do? He has mercy on whom he wills. Now, if you're one of the first readers of this story, and we've talked about this, the, the first leaders, are, they're, they're likely in exile, likely in Babylon, okay? They've been torn from their land, this promised land they're no longer able to enjoy, they are forced, in a sense, to sojourn. Now, they're, they're forced to sojourn because of their disobedience. The, the, the Shunammite woman's not being sent off for her, for her disobedience. They are. But this story, and the story as we're going to see it play out, is a, is a story that was meant to remind and show forth to the Israelites who are in exile that, that God was going to restore them to that land. So the woman, she hears this call, and what does she do? She's her response is very much like that of Abraham. Do you remember in Genesis 12, the Lord said to Abraham, what did he say? Go from your country, from your kindred, from your father's house to the land that I will show you. He goes in faith. We see that in the Shunammite woman, right? In verse 2, the woman arose. She did according to the word of the man of God. And she went with her household and see, sojourned in the land of the Philistines for seven years. And we already understand that there's something a little bit awry here. The Philistines, that's, that's not the place where you want to go. These are the, the, the enemies of God. This wouldn't be, this is, she's being led out of the promised land, the land of plenty, right? And if we remember back to the Shunammite woman story, you'll remember Elisha came to her and he said, what, what can I do for you? He said, maybe I can connect you with some really important people and all that stuff. Do you remember her response? 
She said, I dwell among my people. She, she was perfectly content where she was. She loved living in the promised land, in the land of plenty that God had granted to her, in the land that God had given to her and her family. And yet, what is God here calling her to do through the prophet but to leave that land of plenty? To go to a foreign land, no doubt, where she wouldn't be welcomed incredibly well. Now, why? Of course, because that's land of plenty. The promised land is about to be a land of lack, right? It's about to go through a, a great famine. And, and what does she do? She obeys. And she goes, just as the word of the prophet told her. We see this faithful woman continuing in her faithfulness. What does the story even begin to teach us about what a life of the faithful looks like? Now, you might be tempted as you hear about the Shunammite woman, you hear all these extraordinary things that happen to her. You might be to think like, look at how kind God constantly was to the Shunammite woman, but do remind it of her life. Remember, when Elisha first encountered her, she was barren. Her husband was too old. And yet, yes, she was blessed with a son, but then what happened? That son was tragically taken away. And yes, we want to jump to that restoration and her, her son being brought back to life, but she had to suffer the loss of her son. And she who was perfectly content among her own people, in her own land, in her own house, in her own place, what is she called to do? She's called to take up and, and leave. We see, certainly see, God's kindness in this story towards her. But that doesn't mean that her life is an easy life, is it? The life of the faithful is not an easy life. Her life is like that of Joni that we mentioned earlier, right? God's so kind to her. Yes, amidst all sorts of difficulties, but yet God's kindness still interweaving into the way that he is at work. As this woman is, she's called to go sojourn in this, this foreign land. And you and I, we need to understand our life today in similar terms, I think. Do you understand that our life now is a life of sojourn? If you think back to the Israelites, you know, where were they? You know, for so, so much they were in the wilderness, right? They were on the wilderness on their way to the promised land. Isn't that so much our story too? Today as the church, a people in the wilderness, we're on our way to the promised land. We're on our way to that new heaven and that new earth, and we can't wait to be there and be in the presence of our Savior for all of eternity, but we're not there yet. But we're not there yet. The Apostle Peter puts it well when he says, Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you, as though something strange were happening to you. I love those words. Sometimes I think that's how we as Christians live. Like, like whenever things, difficult things come into our lives, suddenly we're like surprised and we're shocked that this happens. God, aren't I faithful? We need to hear and see God's words. This is the life of the faithful. The life of the Shunammite woman is the life of the faithful. The life of Joni Erickson Tata is the life of the faithful. But he, of course, he continues, but rejoice. Even in the midst of, of all this, rejoice insofar as you share in Christ's sufferings that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. 
Yes, we should expect suffering in this life. We should expect difficulties as we, we, we sojourn, if you will, in a foreign land. Citizens of another kingdom. But we can, I think, also expect, and we should be on the lookout for God's incredible kindness towards us. He is so kind to you and I so often, particularly through his amazing, incredible grace in our Savior. That our Savior did what he did for us, that Jesus came and died for you and I. Is that not the incredible kindness of God in our life, even amidst? our current sojourn. And sometimes this kindness of God, this kindness that we see shown to this woman here in our passage, it shows up through the most amazing works of providence, doesn't it? I'm reminded of a time, we all remember it, just three and a quarter years ago, right, where COVID descended. A very difficult time in a myriad of ways. But yet God, no doubt, he worked in the midst of that, and that was a work of his providence. I think of the way it's even a providence in the life of us gathered here this morning. Who would have thought that's a great time to try to start a church in the midst of COVID where we can't even get together and we we, we can't even meet together and worship together, and yet God, in his loving kindness, taught to chose that moment as a moment of providence to, to bring this body together. Now, please understand, I'm not saying that to say, look at how faithful we are and look at what God did because we are so faithful. No. This church was not started because of our faithfulness, but because of his. It's not because we are great, but because he is. Yahweh sometimes is our great God. He chooses to to use the most extraordinary extraordinary providential ways of working at providential times. And you know what I mean by providence, right? That, that way that God is at work all the time. You know, back a few hundred years ago, we had the deists, right? And what did the deists say? You know, that, that, that God created the world and he wound it up like a clock and then he like stuck it on the shelf and just lets the thing go. Not, that's not what providence looks like. It's not a clock wound up on the shelf. It is God constantly at work all the time that the sun rose this morning because God is at work through his work of providence that your heart, that you're not even thinking about right now. No, now you are. But your heart is beating because of his great work of providence. He's at work at all the time. He's at work in our story and in our lives. He's at work in the life of the Shunammite, isn't he? She returns to her house after seven years, right? And she returns and she finds that somebody else's car is in her driveway and somebody else is living in her house. Now, they didn't have cars back then, but you get the point. And she goes immediately. She she goes with her son and she goes to appeal to the king for her house and for her land. What's happened? A, A squatter may have taken over her land because she's been gone for seven years. It's even possible that the king is like taking it as part of his because she's been gone so long, the king just added it to the land that he owns. And do you notice how she arrives? She arrives at exactly the right time, doesn't she? Verse 5, while, while he, Gehazi, was, was telling the king how Elisha had restored the dead life, behold, a woman whose son he had restored to life appealed to the king for her house and for her land. And Gehazi said, 
My Lord, O King, here's the woman. Here is her, her, her son, whom Elisha restored to life. She couldn't have arrived at a better time. Precisely the right moment, she knocks on the king's door. Right as, as Gehazi is telling her story. And the king asks her, tell me your story. And she gets to share her story directly to the king. All of it in God's great work. The providence, you could call it a very lucky day, couldn't you? I mean, <laughs> it couldn't have been time better. Now, you, you, some of you, you, you've been around the church long enough. You, you may have been corrected before for using that word luck, right? You say, oh, man, I was lucky today. Or, man, that happened by chance. And, and, and you know, and then somebody will correct you. No, that wasn't that. It was God's work. God's work of providence, right? And I think we need to probably not be too anxious to correct people all the time and such things. But, man, do we understand the truth, though, that's behind that? That God is at work through his providence in the smallest things to the biggest things. He is at work in the woman. She arrives at the perfect time. There couldn't have been a better time. It's the God-ordained time for him to bring about his purposes in her life. Can you imagine having arrived back, seeing that other car in the driveway? imagine the worry that must have flooded over her. She was so longing, so looking forward after seven years to be back in her own home, sleeping in her own bed, if you will. Oh, the distress that she must have experienced. Reminded of Jesus' words, therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you'll eat, what you'll drink, nor about your body, what you'll put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? God, through his work of providence, does and will care for his people. And he will and he does care for us. Now, that doesn't mean, and often it doesn't mean that this is going to be an easy life and that everything's going to go perfectly according to our schedule but it is going perfectly according to his. And he truly does care for us. And so often he expresses that kindness towards us in the most extraordinary ways, that, those extraordinary ways that reminds us of his ultimate kindness to us in Christ. His ultimate love for his people. And the way this works out in this story, the providential timing is incredible. Not you remember, just last week, in the sermon last week, the, the passage just before this, remember the king, and we assume this is the same king, Jehoram, he was wanting Elisha's head. Okay? He, he wanted Elisha's head, and now that same king, what is he wanting? He's, he's telling Gehazi, will you tell me some stories about Elisha? And it's at this perfect moment that she enters in. Uh, there's a story uh, told by a Christian writer. He, he went to, a, you know, one of those hipster coffee shops. And, you know, he was there. He was working. And somebody comes in who's like, you know, like, if you were trying to pick out the perfect person to come into the coffee shop, this was that person, okay? And the person, they come in, they order their super fancy drink, and they go and they sit down at the table and they begin to arrange the table perfectly with their book and their, their tablet or whatever, and, and their coffee. And, and then what do they do? They take out their phone and they start taking pictures. They open up the book and they take some pictures with the book open. 
And he's watching them the whole time, and he knows what he's doing. He's, what is he doing? He's posting it to Instagram, right? And he continues to watch him. He stops, finally puts the phone away. He picks up the book for what he counted was like 30 seconds. As, he, as he's looking at it, kind of starting to read some of the words, and then he closes it up, and he puts the book right back down. And he'll, what does he do? He goes right back to his phone. No doubt to see if anybody's liked his post yet, you know. And at this time, the, the writer, his, his, his wife actually texts him, hey, how are things going? What's going on? And he tells her the story about this guy. And she says, what coffee shop are you at? And, and like 30 seconds later, she's sending the picture. And she Googled. She found the picture that this guy had, had, had sent out on, on Instagram of this perfect little study that he was doing at this table when he was doing absolutely no study at all, right? And it's there that he could actually see what was on the guy's table. He says, only when I saw the image, though, did I notice the title of the book. It was John Frame's The Doctrine of the Word of God. He said, perhaps it would be slightly more ironic if the book had been Neil Postman's Amusing Ourselves to Death. But this one was nearly perfect. A book about the primacy of God's Word just used as a prop. This guy was, was just concerned about telling a story. A story that at least as acted out there in that coffee shop on that day had no, no depth. The king here, our story, he, he loves a good story, it seems. He says to Gehazi in verse 4, tell me all the great things that Elijah has done. He hears that, the stories. Who knows how many stories he tells him. Then he starts telling him about the story of, of the Shunammite woman and her son. And it's just then that she knocks on the door and comes in, and she's able to share that story. And the king is so impressed, isn't he? So moved by the story. What does he do? He says, restore all that was hers. This is an incredible story. Think of the individuals here. This is an unlikely story. This isn't the way you'd expect it to play out. Here's Gehazi. The last time we saw him, he was trying to milk Naaman for money, and Elisha cursed him with leprosy. Okay? We don't know what happened afterwards. I won't try to make it up because we just, the text just doesn't tell us. We don't know how he's ended up now with the king. But so you, you have Gehazi, the old servant of Elisha, who was cursed with leprosy, and, and then you have Jehoram, the king who wanted Elisha's head. And God uses their circumstances to bring justice to the Shunammite woman. Perfectly, providentially timed, everything all in order at the right moment. But there's a great problem here. And the problem is this king. The king who should have been showing the way for Israel, it seems as though he is just entertained by a good story, but there is absolutely no movement in his soul. He's entertained by the story. It moves him to a bit of action, but as we know Jehoram's story, as we, we know the story of the kings of Israel, his heart really isn't changed. One commentator put it this way. So we have a king who is curious, but not committed. Curious, wanting to know about Elisha, but not committed. 
He's attracted to Elisha's works, but not to Elisha's God. What we have here is fascination, not faith. Now, we're here today, and we're hearing from God's Word. I hope you're not here today just to hear a good story. Clearly, I've failed at that. I hope you're not here to be entertained. I doubt any of us are really here to be entertained, but maybe you're here to feel a little better about yourself. I hope not, but maybe you are. That today is just a bit of show for you. It's a bit of performance. Maybe it's before others so that others can see you here. Maybe you're here performing before God, hoping that somehow, because of of you being here, he's going to give you that happy life. Of course, that's completely messed up for multiple reasons, and we've already said at least one of those reasons, right? Is that happy life is, is, is not what he has promised us. He's promised us a life of sojourn as we approach and await that eternal promised land. And not to mention the fact that, that you and I, we, we so often, we, we come and, and we show and we do our performance before God and we expect something in return as though his grace is something that we can earn. As my Professor Steve Brown would say, that's from the pit of hell and it smells like smoke. This idea that we can earn our way before him. This idea that somehow our show and our performance is going to earn something before him. You see, we we do not gather on Sundays to earn earn his favor. We are here because of his incredible love. The incredible love of God that's been shown forth through his son, through our Savior, Jesus Christ. Who lived, who died, who rose again. And he did all of that for you and I. You see, the beauty of, of, of this passage is that while this king, this earthly king, loved a good story, we can know and we can understand what's going on behind the scenes of something much greater, that behind the scenes there is a great king, our great God. And he's not just interested in a good story. He doesn't just love a good story. He loves his people. He loves this Shunammite woman. Certainly things play out on a human and earthly level, right? And, and, and God uses this earthly agent, the king, to bring about restoration. But we're reminded that ultimately, all of this is playing out according to God's will, right? Why did the woman show up when she did? The clock started ticking when Elijah told her to go for seven years. Seven years later, she comes back. She comes back at the exact right moment according to God's great work of providence. So that that moment, she might utter her plea. And that plea, what did it result in? Verse 6, what does the king say? Restore all that was hers, together with all the produce of the fields, from the day that she left the land until now. This great act of justice is done on her behalf. 
She's given her land back, but not just her land, not just back her house, but seven years worth of produce for the time that she was gone, all restored to her in a sense she was made whole. She's restored. Restore all, the king says. That word restore, I don't know if you've noticed it. It showed up quite a few times in our passage. When we're reading scripture and we see that kind of repetition, or, you know, we should start looking out like there's something more going on. Four times in the first five verses, we hear of the woman's son being restored to life. And then here in the sixth verse, what do we read? Now all is restored to her. Restore all, he says. This is no doubt intentional. No doubt intentional for for those original readers who are reading is that they're in exile. That all that they're experiencing, it comes from who? They're being in exile. It's all a result of the work of the providence of of their great God. And He is the one who will restore them. The call to them is, as as they're off in a foreign land, off in Babylon, was trust Yahweh. Trust that He will, can, and will restore you to the land. I mentioned earlier that our life is a life of sojourn, isn't it? Much as our Savior, right right when he started his ministry, where did he immediately go? Matthew 4, verse 1, where did he immediately go? He immediately was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. Shouldn't be surprising that we find ourselves in that same place. It's a place where we we learn, as as we do in Revelation 12, some of you may remember this from our last sermon series, but we read this, the woman fled into the wilderness. Now, the the woman here is the church. The woman here, that's you and I. And where does God take us? Where does he lead us? Into that wilderness, that wilderness place where we are now, where she has a place prepared by God in which she shall be nourished for 1,260 days. That is for us now. God's led us into this place of sojourn, into this this wilderness, a place where we're promised here that, that we will be spiritually protected, where God's Spirit will be with us as He was with Christ in the wilderness. But we are in the wilderness And being in the wilderness often comes with the difficult providences of God, doesn't it? Life is not always easy. It's not always simple. need to remember the the words of the Apostle Peter. We shouldn't be surprised, right, when these difficult times come upon us. And as we're in this day and we're in the midst of of this sojourn, what are you and I called to do? We're, We're called to hope for restoration, okay? That, that same kind of restoration, remember the exiles, the, the people in exile, they're, they're called to hope for a restoration where they're going to be brought back to the land. We too, we're, we're called to hope for that day of restoration. Paul talks about it in Philippians, but our citizenship, where is it? 
Our citizenship is in heaven. And from it, we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like His glorious body by the power that enables Him even to subject all things to Himself. We await that great restoration that that comes to us in Christ on that last day and understand that the, the, the restoration that's kind of promised to those Israelites as they're in exile, it doesn't come into full fruition in like the days of Ezra and Nehemiah and stuff when they get to go back to the land. The ultimate restoration that's promised to them, understand. It comes when their great king comes down. When Jesus Christ Himself comes. The King who has come, our great Savior who has come, and He has submitted Himself to incredibly difficult providences, hasn't He? Willingly. For you and for me, so that you and I, so that the, the Old Testament saints can have full, complete, and total restoration. So that you and I, we can be totally restored to God. Our our relationship with Him broken because of sin. And what is the promise? That through Christ, we are restored in relationship to Him. We have that now as we are found in Christ. But one day we will have it in even more fullness and completeness on that day. When we see our Savior face to face. Totally restored to Him, totally restored to His presence through the work of our Savior, Jesus Christ. How incredible it is, the restoration that is promised to you and I. Let's not miss that we do have it in part now. As Paul says, where's our citizenship? Our citizenship is in heaven. We are in Christ now. We are bound up with Him now. But oh, this is just but a foretaste as we sojourn. As we await that final, complete, and total restoration that comes on the last day. Are you longing for that? Do you desire that restoration? Are you just here today looking for a happy life now? Or you here seeking, desiring, and longing for that restoration that comes in our Savior Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Oh, Father, we thank you as always for your word. We thank you for your spirit that applies your word to the hearts of your people. We pray that you have and are doing that work right now. Oh, Father, would you help us more and more to long for you, to desire you above all, Help us to see more clearly the incredible ways that you are at work through your work of providence in our lives, through the good times, through the bad times, through all the times. 
and that we would find ourselves praising you, praising you for the wonder of your incredible kindness towards us and our Savior, Jesus Christ. We thank you this day for the good news of the gospel, the good news of our Savior that is able to ultimately restore us to right relationship with you. And we long for that last day where we will see you face to face. We pray this all in the matchless name of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.